welcome to the Everything Considered podcast with me, April, your host. Today, we will be discussing a very interesting topic, sexuality and human design. In a moment, I'm going to bring on Linda Landon, who is an expert in her field. But before I do that, I just wanted to warn you that some of what we will discuss will be a bit explicit and might not be suitable for younger viewers or listeners. Thank you for joining us today. Grab yourself a cup of coffee or tea and enjoy the show. Very, very, very nice to meet you. Hello, everyone. Uh, I have with me today, I'm very excited, Linda Landon. And uh, we're going to be talking about human design and other things uh, related to sexuality. Uh, but first, I want to hear a little bit about Linda, her background and, and what she does. So Linda, welcome to the show. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Oh my gosh, Amber, I don't even know where to start. Like, um, I could tell the story of how I found human design or it found me. Okay. Um, sure. Would you like me to start there? Sure, absolutely. And then we'll weave in how you're, it is you're doing what you're doing, because I think it's something that is not being done a whole lot. And yes. I want everyone to hear about that. But go ahead and tell me okay. about it. So there's kind of two stories. So the first story is around... 2016, I was introduced to human design by Robin Wynn, who's another one of our co-authors on Stop Over Working, Start Over Flowing. Yes. And I checked it out and I read your story and it's very similar to your story. Like the one human design type I never wanted to be is the one that I am. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I was blown away because I learned that everything I've been doing up to this point in my life was wrong and not working for me. And that made total sense because I kept pushing and like with my business and getting to a certain level of success and then just, right. just losing it and burning out. Yeah. So I, like, like you yes. burned out many, many times. And now that I'm learning to be a projector and particularly a five, two projector, which is oh. really interesting. I've learned to live by the, it's like my, what would I say? My mantra is rest, play, and then do a little work. Mm. Or another way to say it is to follow my pleasure. Oh, I like that. So that is very tied into how I approach working with couples and sexuality. Okay. And, oh my gosh, there's so such a journey around that. Um, when I was in my 20s, 30s, 40s, I thought I was frigid. I'm just mm -hmm. going to say that. I, I, I had, was able to get turned on, excited, and really attracted to people. But when it came to sex, particularly penetration sex, mm. um, you might want to warn your audience, this is going to, this could get a little, you know, explicit. Right. Is that okay? That's fine. I'll put that in the, uh, I'll put that below and also in the intro for sure. Yeah. So April, when I reached, would become intimate with someone and would move into penetration sex, I would, my vagina would just completely shut down. It was just mm -hmm. not having it. Right. And I faked it really well, as many women do. I rarely had climaxes, mm -hmm. maybe by myself, but not with a partner. Right. And, um, and then for many years, I was with women, and that was much more sexually satisfying to me. Mm -hmm. But there was also a way that I was still the one in charge. I had control. So I never allowed myself to really surrender right. into my 
feminine orgasm, like my real true feminine sexuality or what one of my favorite teachers calls feminist sexuality. Mm -hmm. And so there was still this, like there was this sense of tremendous potential, but something missing. Right. So when I was with women, I didn't experience myself as frigid because I had arousal and I was, you know, fluid and wet and all that good stuff, but there was still this hold back. Mm-hmm. And then in my early fifties, I entered into a period of celibacy and I didn't even know. Mm. I didn't even know that was what I was going to choose. It just sort of chose me. Right. And so for years I was not in relationship mm-hmm. and I was exploring exploring sexuality i explored tantric sexuality i explored all different kinds and then i found something called orgasmic meditation have Hmm. you ever heard of that i had not heard of that until i saw your website and i thought that's something i want to find out about what is what is that well orgasmic meditation is a practice that's centuries old but it was kind of um given a name and a and a really specific instructions and direction by this brilliant woman named Nicole Daydon. Mm-hmm. And orgasmic meditation is a practice where with two people, one is the woman, mm-hmm. or shall we say, um, someone who has got female genitalia, because okay. in this non-binary word world, it could be anyone. Right. So um, this person lies down and the other person strokes her clitoris in a very particular way for very limited, like contained amount of time. And it's all about taking the goals off the table, taking any expectations whatsoever, and just being there for the point of contact and feeling into the sensations that arise. Mm -hmm. And the person who is doing the stroking is stroking for their own pleasure. And the person who is receiving is receiving for their own pleasure. It's incredible. It just like it's not going anywhere and at the end like it goes lots of places in terms of mm. sensation but there's no expectation that it's supposed to lead to something else right. and um at the end of the practice the timer goes off and you complete and ground and then you just put the woman or the female genital person puts their clothes back on the other person who's stroking is completely clothed okay and then they just go on their way you don't go into the bedroom, you know, you can do it with your, your partner, you can do it with, uh, I had like many, many partners who were just my oming partners. Right. Um, but it's separate from sexual activity. Okay. And so yet it takes the pressure off a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And so what I learned from that was I had an intimate, in, intimate, infinite i'm a little like tongue-tied this i think i'm a little nervous sure i was i had this infinite capacity for sensation and it just blew the doors off of what was wow. possible for me so when i entered again into an intimate relationship with someone who was a man mm-hmm. i was able to welcome and enjoy penetration without any pain oh my goodness that's wonderful because i'd learned how to tune into myself what my body needed, what turned me on, what didn't, and to take my time. And really, one of the things that I learned in the practice is how to give my partner very clear requests so that they can know how to satisfy me. And then vice versa, I can do that for them. So there's no more mind tripping, guesswork, you should know, it just all taken off and you get very direct and clear in your communication. Wow. 
So with that in my bag, and then I had human design and years and years of experience in what I call sensory awareness or sensing, I had this vast capacity and I'd been a body worker also, by the way, for 15 years before I was a coach. I had this tremendous capacity to meet and be present in the moment with the subtlest nuanced touch. So Mm -hmm. I blended it all together and started to work with couples. Because what I realized is that when a couple comes in for a session, they're not ready to do, you know, the orgasmic meditation. It's just too much. It's a lot, yeah. So I've scaled it way, 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 way back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And wow. I'll be, so that's sort of my story. And that's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the walls just kind of came down through your own journey of exploration and communication is, I think that's, it's difficult for people to talk about it. It's difficult for them to uh, ask for what they need. Um, there's a part of us that you know, is uncertain or insecure about that and to kind of have the courage and, and the freedom to be able to do that. I can see how that would be a very healing journey. Yeah. And one of the things, I mean, what you're speaking to is so true for, for everyone in this culture, you know, male, female, trans, it it doesn't matter, but we aren't taught that it's okay to go into ourselves and discover who we are, what brings us pleasure, let alone how to ask for that. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so that's a big part of the practice. And of course, as you can imagine, human design supports that Mm -hmm. because one of the great lessons in human design is when you know your partner's type and strategy, you can frame your questions in such a way that they can really hear you Mm -hmm. and feel met and be very willing and happy to respond. Yes. Yeah. It does vary um, by type in as far as communication is concerned. And that translates into the sexual experience. Like it, it really makes a difference because I think I know I found I've, you know, been married 33 years to a generator. I'm a manifester that how I phrase a question, it makes all the difference in the world to him. And also, you know, for me as well, it's, it's, it doesn't, we don't communicate the same way, but understanding that I can see how that would increase the level of intimacy when we're able to communicate it in a way where the other person can, can understand and really feels heard. Yeah. And since, you know, you and I are both open sacral beings. Yeah. So, and for those of you who are listening, you've probably heard this, but just, I'm not going to assume anything. So in human design, there are different centers and the sacral center is what makes you a generator, manifesting generator or not. And if you're not, you're a manifester, projector or a reflector. And right. that sacral center is like your, it's your sexual center. Mm-hmm. And with a generator and a manifesting generator, that center is defined. And what that can look like in relationship is that the person with the defined center has a kind of rhythm and regularity and consistency to how they like to have sexual connection and play. It might mean they like a certain position or a certain time, or there's just a certain rhythm that's consistent. And, and I don't want to say 
sort of predictable, but also very yeah. reliable for them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And yeah. there's also, we could say with people with defined sacral centers, that there's also kind of a consistent, and correct me if I'm wrong, but sort of a consistent um, desire. Well, it can be desire or total lack of desire for right. sexual contact. Right, right. Now, if you have an open sacral center, you can be really fluid mm -hmm. I have in how you sure. are sexually, yeah. how you respond, what you want, where, how, you know, it's just the realm of possibilities is open to you because you have this wide open center. Right. Yes, that is absolutely true. I found that to be true. Yeah. And it's just, and once you understand that about the other the expectation or the misunderstanding we just assume everyone should be like us and function like we do but in human design we find out that there is so much nuance and variety in terms of how people's energy functions and no one is um, the same as another person and so bringing that into an intimate relationship bringing that understanding into an intimate relationship is a very powerful thing and a healing thing i think i think it's a it's one of the modes by which we heal yeah that's beautiful. and and when i was i'm just gonna i'm just pausing for a second i'm going up to preferences on the zoom and i'm just gonna lighten my screen a little okay I just want you to know what i'm and i'm not getting what i want so sure. this may this may take a moment bear with me everyone there we go there's a way let me just see if this is a little better Okay. Yeah. Sorry for the timeout there. Okay. <laughs> so when I was playing and not with one person and I was experiencing, I was doing a lot of sexual explore. I mean, I was very sexually active. I just wasn't in an intimate relationship with one person. Mm -hmm. What I discovered was that I was different. My sexual energy was different with different people because right. I could take in and amplify whatever they were bringing. Yes. It was a very fun time. <laughs> it sounds like a wonderful time of self-discovery and not yeah. one that everybody unfortunately gets to experience or or, or chooses to experience and yeah. I think it's great that you're providing a bridge for that because again it's not something that's I don't feel like it's discussed a whole lot in the human design world so I think it's beautiful that you know you're bringing it forth um the pandemic yes uh, one of the things that we discussed earlier is that it changed things for people. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people are really struggling in this arena in terms of feeling like they uh, do have sexual desire or don't have sexual desire, or they don't feel like they can connect. Can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah. So I've been noticing with the people I've been working with, um, I'll give a couple examples. Like for instance, one couple, she has a full-time job. He's in school in tr and they're both living, working at home and they have two young kids. So, mm -hmm. so actually before the pandemic, she's working in an office, he's at school and they have childcare for like a, a three and a seven-year-old. Okay. Then the pandemic hits, mm -hmm. she's working at home full time. She doesn't have a designated office. So she's moving from the dining room to a little desk in the hallway to mm -hmm. one of the kids rooms trying to find privacy to do a really high power job. Oh, the childcare is non-existent. 
Mm -hmm. initially and eventually the daycare center opens up so the kids can go to daycare and then he's still commuting to school but then he's coming back and he's working at home and it's just right so everybody feels like they're in this pressure cooker and they're just piled on top of each other Mm -hmm. plus bless her heart this client is a projector okay and as um, you may know, being an open sacral being, those of us who have this kind of energy need space. Yes, very Sometimes much. Sometimes we need to sleep in a different room than our partner. Yes. And there was none of that. So, right. um, so their sexual energy was just like, it was just like, that's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Because really all they wanted to do was kind of get away from each other. Sure. Yeah, understandably. So fortunately, I mean, I was working with them during pandemic and we found some ways just to create more space mm-hmm. instead of pushing them together to give them more space. And with more space, there came more desire to come back together. Mm-hmm. And then we were able to start moving into some somatic practices to reconnect and touch taking all the goals of quote sex off the table and now they're stabilizing oh that's beautiful yeah sometimes it's it's the pressure you know the pressure is is not something that is conducive to a healthy sexual sexual life at all yeah and and that the absence of your partner can make them more desirable and yes living on top of each other you know together that's gone yes yeah. And that's been the case for a lot of people. They've been cooped up in the same uh, house or room together and, uh, you know, absence makes the heart grow fonder. I mean, and particularly for non-sacral beings, we really uh, take in so much of that energy that we have to find some way to have some solitude to expel that. And if we can't do that, we can just feel so like a pressure cooker, like it just overwhelming, over, overwhelming pressure some solitude some way to get out and go somewhere and there was no getting out going anywhere right right Um, I mean you know I have another couple who were in a similar situation on top of each other but fortunately they live near a beach so she could get out and go walk on the beach but she needed to get away and for them one of their great ways of connecting was to travel together like Mm -hmm. in the traveling and exploring they had this way of just being enjoyed together. And that was just taken away from them. Yeah. When you're at home, you're constantly reminded of all the things that you need to do. Yeah. That you've neglected to do. And, you know, you cannot fully relax. So I can see how that caused a lot of difficulty for people that weren't used to having that dynamic. I would think it would be similar to like a couple that retire. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, Yeah. It's like, it's like, oh goodness, we're just constantly together. And, you know, it's, it's important to have those breaks. Mm -hmm. Um, It makes us appreciate one another more. And then again, a a break from the environment because your environment can be not conducive to relaxation, especially if you have small children or, you know, or like you said, you're working at home. So you saw quite an increase of problems or difficulties and struggles with people Uh, during and after the pandemic yeah I mean we're still just coming out of it and so there's just this residue yeah hanging over people 
Yeah. Um, you pointed out something really important, which is when you're in a home environment, especially when you can't get away much, yeah. you're constantly, your mind switches on and it's constantly sort of absorbed with what needs to be done in the house. Mm -hmm. And when you have that activity going on in the mind, it's very hard to just let go and be in the moment with what is. Yes. And when I work with my couples, I do a lot of practices to help them just be here in the moment mm -hmm. together with what is arising. Right. And as I say that, I can even feel my whole physiology start to relax. Mm. And, um, you know, we start with, I can give you like, I do a balance between sort of the didactic educational work pieces mm -hmm. on how to have more effective communication using human design and listening mirror skills and various practices. Everything is like a practice right? when I teach. And I also always have them do some kind of somatic body-based practice together, which can be as simple as sitting back to back, mm -hmm. not touching, just each person tapping into their own body, their own breath, the ground under them, mm -hmm. the floor under their feet, and then slowly bringing their backs together, or even before that, sensing the presence of the other, mm. and then slowly bringing the backs together, feeling the warmth, whatever arises, feeling the sensation of that, right. the emotions that arise, and then moving separate, and then variations on that. Mm -hmm all nonverbal mm -hmm. right and, and then at some point i teach them how to do very simple communications like can you lean a little less or a little more or and then we as we develop very 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 simple ways of making requests we cultivate more complex somatic practices together that they can weave in but in doing this this thing happens and you can see it like I work virtually and I see it on the computer screen. They're just their whole physiology starts to soften. Mm -hmm. Their faces change. Their their voices drop. Mm -hmm. um, they become softer mm -hmm. in their speech and how they see each other. Mm -hmm. And we do a lot of that before we even embark on any kind of um, practices involved sexual genital contact. Right. Because sex doesn't started the act or it and that's I think where there's a lot of confusion in our culture um it's it's something that you know happens way before any of that even occurs and I think if we can wrap our head around that and do what you're saying which is to be really fully present uh it'll make a huge difference and to communicate and so these communication styles are very different so if I'm a manifester, which I am, and my partner is a generator, which he is, um, what's that dynamic like in terms of us communicating more effectively together? Well, I'm sort of curious what you have learned so far. Like, I mean, what I'm guessing you already know is that if you want something or you like something, you let your partner know. Mm -hmm. I and inform him. <laughs> you inform him. And what's really important with what I call making requests is that you do it in a loving kindness based way. Right. You, 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 you put in something that's like a gentle affirmation or encouragement. 
mm-hmm. you know, like that feels really great. Can you just do it a little more, or stay a little longer, go a little deeper or, right. and, but for you, you would just say that feels really good. Do more of that. You don't even have to make it a question. But he, right. wait a minute, he's a generator. So you do say, can you do a little? Yes. So you can blend the informing with the yes, no. Yes. And be gentle about it in the way that I I speak. Because I think that's the other thing too. We uh, we think our partners should read our minds <laughs> or that they will like what we like. And that's not always the case, is it? And I think that's where the communication is so very important. Um, We like to think we know what they like, and maybe we do to a certain extent, but we can always improve upon that. I mean, and it's not, it's not to say anybody's doing anything wrong or not well. It's just not really possible to like get in another person's skin and fully understand what they enjoy or what they don't enjoy. Yeah. And what I always like to hold as a possibility is that you may know what you like and there may be more. Right. So yeah. you think you know what your partner's likes and maybe you do, but there may be so much more for them to explore and tap into. Exactly. And we're yeah. still learning about ourselves. I mean, it's a lifetime journey. Yeah. You know, you may not know that you like something until further down the road. You just kind of discover it like a hidden treasure or something. And that was my experience and my exploration during that time of, you know, when I say celibacy, celibacy from an intimate relationship, but Mm -hmm. I was discovering ways of being in contact with people sexually and just in communication and other ways that were just like, I had no idea that 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 was available to me and that would bring me pleasure and that would be fun. It was just, it was just like, oh, all the time, just discovery. And I think that's another thing I like to bring into a partnership is that help them re-enter that place of discovery and adventuring and and mm-hmm. excitement and learning about each other, like being open and curious. Right. Which is a very, very, very important part of you know communication, deep listening. Yes. Going into that space of curiosity. Yes. I think that's, you know, and that makes it an adventure, doesn't it? I mean, and I think that's kind of what gets lost you know, um, when you're in a situation where you're raising children and you see, you're just doing the, the typical tasks day in, day out, or you're in a situation where you've been married for a really long time or in a relationship for a very long time. And, um, you just, you don't always like realize there's more layers to this. Uh, there's more to be explored and that's exciting. Yeah. And I think when we've been together with someone for a while, and that's, that's, those are the people I really like to work with. You know, you build up these patterns of relating, these habits that are comfortable and safe mm. and predictable, but they get a little boring. Sure. That's normal. That's just so normal. Um, then, like, how can you spice it up? Right. And why not? Why not do that? That's exciting. Yeah. So you're, you're doing some research in preparation for a book you're writing about this. Mm-hmm. And you're offering uh, couples coaching for free if they yeah. participate in this. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit more about this book and what you're offering? So I don't know the title of it yet, but okay. you're sort of getting the flavor of it. And right. it's really, I mean, anyone 
you know, hetero, non-binary, trans, gay can read this. It's mm-hmm. it's it's going to be geared towards hetero, but it's it's available. It works sure. for anyone. Okay. But this book is for a couple who are like later on in life, like 50s, mm-hmm. 60s, maybe their kids have grown. Right. And they've been together for a while and they're coming out of the pandemic and they just hit this kind of what you could call sexual burnout, sort of this flat zone. Yes. And they've lost that sense of adventure and they want to reconnect. Mm-hmm. You know, they find that they fight a lot over stupid shit and yeah. they're not really feeling connected and they're rarely having sex. And if they are, it's very kind of obligatory and not very yeah. fun. Right. So this book is for them. Oh, wonderful. And it goes through various layers and we sort of start at a very basic, simple, like the idea is you sort of build um, comfort and traction in a certain level of relating. And then we just raise the bar a little bit Mm -hmm. and then we raise the bar a little bit more and then we raise the bar a little bit more so that by the end of the book, it's moving more into taking some of the skills they've learned back into the bedroom. Um. A big thing that 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 gets taken off the table in the beginning of the work together is um, this. I'm talking about the whole book. When I work with couples, I'll right. speak to that. Um, is any sense of goal? We're going to take goals off the table, and we're going to open up to presence-based sexuality, presence-based sensuality, just mm-hmm. tapping into what feels good. Nice. Like so, that. so that's where the book is going, and then for the research I mean I've worked with couples but I would like to work with more couples and I'd like to work with some who are coming off the pandemic mm-hmm. so I'm offering three 75 minute coaching sessions and it will get you started it's it's not going to take you through the whole book okay. um, and when I work with people you know I don't put a format like the book is going to have like a, a flow and a sort of a, a structure to it but when I work with you as a couple Mm-hmm. I'm going to really be meeting you where you are mm. and exploring like what's your heart's desire each of you individually and as a couple and then right. we'll go from there and whatever comes in to those sessions will be what arises in the moment it's the best practice mm-hmm. so it may not follow the order of the book but the work that you do with me will inform how I write the book that's really form. beautiful. What a neat partnership. And it really is going to help a lot of people. And it's very exciting. And I love the fact that you're not approaching it with a goal in mind. I mean, that just, just hearing you say that makes me relax. There's something so heavy about, we have to get to the finish line. We have to accomplish this thing. I mean, that, that's just not the way it just doesn't feel natural that way. So I love that you recognize these things. You sound like you are a brilliant uh, observer of human nature and behavior, and you really tapped into something very special in terms of its connection to human design. Yeah. How sexuality is really connected to how our energy is very individual. We're not cookie cutter versions of one another. And as you know, our teachers like to say in human design, we're all like exquisite puzzle parts and we all fit together and we all need each other. Yes. And I really believe that two people come together because there's this way that they're meant to fit. Yeah. But it's not cookie cutter. 
No, this is very revolutionary. And I'm, I'm excited about this. I, I will definitely be getting that book because it sounds fascinating to oh, me. And as a projector, I mean, you're really here to do that work. And uh, yeah. it's beautiful, really beautiful. So um, I don't want to keep you all day, Linda. I know your time is very precious, but I have one more question for you. Mm-hmm. And it's a question that I ask all my guests and there's no right or wrong answer. If you could live at any time in history, when would that be and why? You know, I'm going to say now. Okay. Because, um, can I say a little more? Yes, a little Please more. Please do. That. Yes, absolutely. Um, in the last two years, I, using human design and also another system called, uh, have you heard of astrocartography? Yes. Oh, so I. I explored, when I opened Even Design, I opened up so many possibilities for myself. And I was living in Los Angeles and I was not happy there. Mm. So I took years actually to explore using human design and astrocartography, which is a way of mapping mm-hmm. where on the planet is a good place for you. And I discovered Asheville, North Carolina. And two years ago, I decided to move here in the, when the pandemic had just started. Oh, wow. And I did it. And um, as a projector, which was major, and I did it solo um, with the help of my fur family. And I am here in this beautiful home overlooking the mountains Mm. in the country. And my heart is so full. And yes, the world is a mess. And I'm so happy I'm here. So I feel like I need to be here now because there are things that I have better offerings that will come through me. And um, this is a really pivotal time. And you know that in terms of human design, we're going through a huge change. Yes, we are. And um, I think this is the time I don't want to go back. Right. I don't want to skip over. I love that answer. That's perfect. And we're neighbors. I'm only about four hours from you. So four or five. You are in Georgia. Yeah. 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 So not too far. Well, that's exciting. I'm excited for you and I'm excited for those that are going to find you and really benefit from what you've learned and uh, what, what you're giving. And um, I just thank you so much for being courageous and really connecting the dots. I think this is needed. So thank you, Linda, so much. Um, to find you, I've got all of your relevant information. And what I will do is post that underneath um, this video. Um, but listen, you guys, if you want to get in on this, you might want to do it soon. Yeah. Because <laughs> I think once this goes out, she's going to get busy and um, and we'll have plenty of people for research for her upcoming book. So thank you, Linda, so much for being with us. And thank you to everybody for joining us. And I appreciate you. And we'll see you next time. Thank Bye you, now. April. Bye.